0: The History Channel Original Podcast.
1: Sports History This Week, September 10th, 1989. I'm Kaelin Jones. It's 90 degrees on a Sunday afternoon in Atlanta. Over 38,000 fans have filed inside Fulton County Stadium, where the hometown pro baseball and football teams play. This explains why there's a stretch of dirt diamond infield across the natural grass that's sprayed with wide end zones and yard markers. But make no mistake, fans are here to watch a football game between the Atlanta Falcons and the Los Angeles Rams. And field conditions notwithstanding, today's supposed to represent a fresh start. The Falcons are coming off a dreary 5-11 season, in which they finished dead last in the NFC West.
2: They hadn't had a winning season since 1982. They were not filling the old football
1: stadium. They were coming close to filling it. But on this day, they'll be taking the field with the most provocative rookie in the National Football League, a player whose reputation has preceded him. He came to Atlanta with two nicknames already. He was Neon Dion and he was Primetime. Deion Sanders. A cornerback and kick returner so electric, the Falcons took him fifth overall in the 1989 draft several months earlier. He's just 22 years old, and Nike is already building a massive ad campaign around his glittering alter ego, Time. <laughs> and only five days ago, The same week that he'd suited up in the NFL for the very first time, he started in left field and hit a two-run homer during a win for the New York Yankees. But today is all about football. And here he stands on the 35-yard line with just under six minutes remaining in the first quarter, about to do what every opponent will soon learn they should never let Deion Sanders do return a punt.
3: You couldn't kick him the ball. If you punted it or you kicked off to him, everybody was on the edge of their seat because he was going home with it. There wasn't any question about that.
1: Sanders unleashes one of the most memorable and thrilling touchdowns in Falcons history.
0: Prime time, Sanders shows how he got his nickname as it goes
4: all the way for a touchdown.
1: And the legend of prime time is just getting started. Fame, money, endorsements, undeniable talent. Deion Sanders has all of it, and he's not afraid to let you know about it.
2: I was non-apologetic. I was brash. I was going to be me, and I felt like Atlanta would at least
1: understand me. Today, two-sport athlete Deion Sanders debuts for the Falcons, in the city he called home for the start of his legendary career. What made Deion Sanders a unique figure in sports history? Why did he draw so much criticism from certain media members? And how was he able to rise above scrutiny surrounding him to become a true sports and cultural icon for the city of Atlanta?
5: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: Deion Sanders is known as a two-sport star, the only athlete in history to play in both a Super Bowl and a World Series. But while attending North Fort Myers High School in Florida, He was actually a three-sport star, dominating in basketball as well, earning All-State honors. And when he arrives at Florida State University to play football and baseball, why not? He dips his toe into a fourth sport, track and field. And according to Sanders FSU football coach, Bob Bowden. Our track coach asked him, will you run in
2: one of our meets? Oh yeah, I'll run in one of your meets. So he goes over and runs in a meet and
1: whips world-class (laughs) sprinters. But plenty of pro athletes excelled in a variety of sports through high school. Some even play multiple sports in college. But by the time they get to the professional level, they're usually forced to specialize. Only 69 players have officially appeared in both NFL and MLB games. A few are Sanders contemporaries, such as his Falcons teammate, safety Brian Jordan, and Raiders and Royals superstar Bo Jackson. But none of them played more than five seasons in both leagues, and then There's Dion. Sanders is a solid contributor on the baseball diamond, but it's clear Dion has a chance to be one of the top cornerbacks the NFL has ever seen. He leads the NCAA in pick sixes and punt return yardage. He's a unanimous All American selection in 1987 and 88, and he finishes eighth in the Heisman voting, receiving the most votes of any defensive player in the nation. He wins the Jim Thorpe Award as the nation's best defensive back and even caps off his storybook college career with a last-second, game-sealing interception to win the Sugar Bowl for FSU. Picked off
0: by
2: primetime. What timing? Neon Dion with his name
1: up in lights. Sanders immediately goes over to the Auburn bench to talk a bit of trash. Despite this brash on-field personality many NFL teams are clamoring to draft this game-changing cornerback with the ability to cover the fastest and shiftiest wide receivers.
3: At the combine, I think he ran uh, something unreal like a 4-1 or 4 forty or something. That's Jimmy Ray II, NFL coach from
1: 1977 to 2013, including a stint with the Falcons in the late 80s, referring to how Sanders set the NFL combine record by clocking an incredible 4.29 second 40-yard dash.
3: We decided that he was a corner and you could put him on the corner and take care of one side of the field by itself. But no
1: matter how many of the NFL's 28 teams at the time might draft Sanders or possibly trade up to acquire his draft rights, Sanders is not interested in 27 of them.
2: And I said, I'm not going to you. Don't draft me. I'm going to play
1: baseball if you do. I'm not going there. I'm not going there. <laughs> yeah, there's really only one football team on Sanders' wish list, and they reside in Atlanta. I had gone to a all-American function here in Atlanta, mm-hmm.
2: and when I got to the city and went to the airport, I was like, dang. I had truly never seen African-American people in such roles and positions and titles that i had never seen in my life and it blew my mind you know city officials doctors lawyers political figures it blew my
1: mind so i said that's where i want to go deon gets exactly what he wants when atlanta steps up with the fifth pick in the draft
2: falcons atlanta falcons first round choice
1: deon sanders quarterback four to save during his draft day interview Sanders can barely contain his excitement about joining the Falcons. He wears a slick, almost bemused smile as he sits with his family, wearing gold chains, a primetime logo jacket, and his trademark sunglasses.
2: You just said this is your mom sitting next to you. You said, she's my very rich mom. I don't yeah. think
4: there's any doubt about that.
3: No more sales, no more no no more nothing now. We get a big house, we always want one, we get everything we want now. Everybody got a jewelry, even the baby got a little something, we are ready now.
0: Even the baby has jewelry.
1: And of course, It wouldn't be a primetime interview without a little dig at his future opponents in the NFC. I
3: was kind of scared. I thought Detroit was going to take me. I would have asked for so much money that I had to put me on layaway.
4: On layaway!
1: Side note, all smack talk aside, the Detroit Lions should be pretty pleased with the way their draft worked out as they ended up selecting a different Sanders, Barry Sanders, at number three, who went on to become one of the greatest players in franchise history. But the football gods have smiled upon Dion and granted his wish. He's now an Atlanta Falcon. There's just one little problem. A week before the season, Dion was still playing baseball for the New York Yankees. That's Mark Bradley, sports columnist for the Atlanta Journal Constitution since 1984.
2: And it wasn't at all clear whether he was going to sign with Falcons. So we were all just kind of sitting around
1: waiting to see if Deion showed up in Atlanta again. And perhaps the Falcons are right to worry. They've just given him a multi-million dollar signing bonus. But that doesn't stop Sanders from traveling to and playing baseball games literally up until the week of his first NFL game. On September 5th, Sanders starts in left field for the Yankees. He goes three for five with two doubles, a home run, and four RBIs in a 12 two win over the Mariners up in Seattle. So he had a long flight.
2: That was met with a, a great sigh of relief too. You would certainly like your number one draft pick to be with you when, he, when you play first game. But he was in Falcons uniform on Sunday. They were playing the Rams. He had barely practiced. You didn't know what to expect
1: from him. As it turns out, when you're as good as Dion, missing practice
3: really doesn't matter all that much. He didn't need any meeting room. We had a special package of plays for him on offense. All he wanted to do was show me the play, show me what I do on the play on the field. He could do without a whole lot of discussion or sitting in the classroom and going over the fine points of it because he was that talented. So here we are, week one of
1: the NFL season. The Falcons have won a combined eight games over the last two seasons. They haven't made the playoffs in seven years.
0: You'd have thought the Atlanta Falcons had died last year. There were more sacks in the stands than on the field. Head coach Marion Campbell is faced with trying to revive the falling Falcons, but superb young quarterback Chris Miller, along with all-pro running back John Settle, and the changing uniforms rookie Deion Sanders could put an end to the Falcons' frustration.
1: Among his many skills, cornerback, punt returner, baseball outfielder, Sanders may also be able to add fortune-teller to his resume. As he says before his first NFL game, I love to have
3: all the fans yelling, prime time, prime time, prime And I'm back deep on the punt, and just running all the way back, or intercept the first pass thrown at me, run all the way back, turn to the crowd, and throw my arms up, and just take it all in.
1: Sure enough, that's exactly what happens just not right away. On his first NFL attempt to field a punt, he actually drops the ball and recovers his own fumble. But minutes later, after the Rams' next possession, number 21 gets another crack at it.
0: I bet he doesn't fumble this one. (laughs) (laughs) And he'll kick it away just outside his five. This is a beauty. And Sanders retreats back to the 32, drops the ball again.
1: By the time he scrambles to collect it, Rams defensive back James Washington is inches away, connecting with Sanders' jersey with both hands. Sanders cleverly sidesteps his way out of danger. And then, magic. In a full sprint, Rams defensive back Anthony Newman lays a solid hit on a still stumbling Deion Sanders, only the bounce harmlessly away. A moment later, a pair of Rams defenders have Sanders
3: all but caught, and he somehow wiggles out of it again. He made about 14 guys miss, and they were only 11 on the field. <laughs> I don't think I'd ever witness a run like that on a punt return, and that was my introduction to primetime.
1: At this point, he's got some daylight. With 40 yards to go, it's clear no one is catching him. As he darts past Buford McGee, the last man back in the Rams defense, Sanders delivers his first NFL high steps. A straight leg gallop that tells the opponent, I don't even need to run full speed to score on you. An iconic move that athletes would mimic for generations. Now, you might be wondering why I'm describing this play beat for beat when we could just play the broadcast audio. That's because like everyone else on the sidelines, announcers Steve Zabriskie and Terry Bradshaw are speechless. The duo goes silent for a full 18 seconds as Sanders makes his way through the Rams coverage and up the sideline. Only when he's in the end zone, kneeling in silent celebration, do the announcers regain their composure to remark on what they just witnessed.
0: Prime time, Sanders shows how he got his nickname. Goes all the way for a touchdown. Garland Thaxton with a great block to spring him on a 68 yard punt return to put Atlanta out in front. Deion Sanders told us yesterday that for every touchdown he gets on a punt return, he will give the blocking people three choices a Gucci watch. A bunch of money or a gold chain? Right now, he just forked up about five grand of that bonus money he got (laughs) yesterday.
1: Sanders pops up and raises two triumphant arms to the frenzied crowd, just as he predicted. When we were on punt
0: return or, or a team was kicking off to us, you would go sit on the bench and grab a cup of water.
1: That's Chris Miller, quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons from 1987 to 1993.
0: There was nobody in the stands that would to go get popcorn or go get, you know, concessions at that time. Everybody was watching him because they knew there was a
1: chance to be something unique, something very special. Special enough that he might quit baseball and focus on the NFL full time? That's the word around the Falcons locker room.
3: Or at least that's the wishful thinking. We thought it was like a hobby between the spring and football practice. Most college athletes at that time played baseball or ran track to get out of spring football practice. So we were under the impression that it was kind of a hobby deal. Sanders himself
1: talks about the double duty with CBS Sports after his first game. Football is my number one priority and I'm 100%
0: football and I plan to put everything into football.
1: Everyone on the Falcons can breathe a sigh of relief. Right. But then in that very same interview, spring training, I would definitely be with the New York Yankees and try to fulfill every
0: need that is written in that contract. But as far as one, as the other, I just take one at a
1: time right now. You just never know what to fully expect when you've got Deion Sanders on your team.
3: The flamboyant nature of the youngster came straight up. He had all of the bells and whistles and uh, all of the talk about himself that wasn't commonplace at the time. I wouldn't call it braggadocious, I just think it was confidence. He knew how good he was, or how good he could be. And he has every right to feel confident,
1: as he joins superstars like Bo Jackson and Michael Jordan in one of the most coveted and lucrative clubs an athlete can join, the Nike athlete.
4: He just had quite a charisma about him.
1: That's Ann Skears, who worked directly with Deion Sanders as a client services manager with Nike in the 80s and 90s.
4: He really helped us with the product more than I remember any other athlete helping us. From The moment he came on board, giving us feedback about our footwear and our batting gloves and all of the products from a performance standpoint and from how we would like it to look. He was the most savvy athlete that I ever worked with in the time that I was there.
1: But now, with a bigger stage and an even bigger personality, comes an even greater level of scrutiny than he's ever faced. With Sanders' newfound success, some in the media are just waiting for him to screw up.
2: Even as you thought this was a really good pick and he can be a really good player and a big-time sports figure uh, in this city, you also realize that
5: And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices.
1: Deion Sanders has just thrilled the city of Atlanta, scoring a scintillating 68-yard punt return touchdown in his first game as a Falcon.
3: The primetime had arrived. They brought him out to the complex, and all of the media frenzy and the hoopla surrounding him added to, a played into, his ego. It elevated him to primetime status. Again, that's Jimmy Ray II,
1: an assistant coach for the 1989 Falcons. After just one game, Sanders is an instant hit as an NFL player. And off the field, he's becoming even more beloved by the city of Atlanta. Everybody was just going crazy about Dion,
2: And, and I, I remember I wrote a Deion column for the Sunday paper, or for the Monday paper off the Sunday game. And I wrote a, a, a Dion Sanders column for Tuesday off just the, the furor that had al- already sprung up around this one guy.
3: I think the social climate in the city gravitated because of his acceptance and the social diversity and inclusion increased in downtown Atlanta and and suburban Atlanta because his star was so bright and so genuine and had an air of flamboyance about it that it permeated the city, made Atlanta a better place.
1: Within two years, Sanders endears himself even more with the people of Atlanta by leaving the Yankees and joining the Atlanta Braves, making him a Georgia resident year round. As an April Fool's joke, Braves president Stan Kasten announces on TV that Deion Sanders is going to try out for the NBA's Atlanta Hawks too.
4: He had a hotel in Atlanta, the Marriott. He knew all the people that worked there and he had his salon there. He owned it, but you know, all the people there were his people and he loved Atlanta.
1: And Atlanta loves him back. By 1992, He's made two Pro Bowls and two All-Pro teams. And he's tied for six all-time with eight non-offensive touchdowns after having played only four NFL
3: seasons. He scored as many points on defense than some of the players that played offense full-time. But beyond the stats, he's just cool.
1: Because of him, important people are coming to Falcons games. Even Atlanta's press box is swarming with celebrities for the first time. Dion had good
0: friends, uh, MC Hammer, and they're hanging out with him. We had Evander Holyfield rolling with us, Dennis Hopper,
1: on and on and on and on. It was a it was a sideshow. Sanders is also making millions, starring in major national commercials with celebrities like comedian Dennis Leary.
5: This year, there's no crying and no pouting. Why? Because Deon Santa Claus is coming to town. Ho ho ho! Yes, Virginia, there is a Santa Claus, and last year he hit over 300.
1: That's right. He just so happens to bat 304 and lead the majors with 14 triples in 1992, despite only playing two thirds of the season for the Atlanta Braves. In short, Neon Dion is basically unstoppable at this point. That's the song Must Be The Money from his 1994 album, Prime Time, which he released on MC Hammer's record label, Busted. The album was panned critically, but he does point out in the lyrics that quote, things change for the better or the worse. All the fame and wild success has a dark side as well.
0: I mean, he kind of set the town ablaze, if you will, you know, Atlanta and Atlanta was ready for someone to come in and be that flamboyant. And- kind of throw the organization on their shoulders, and the community uh, really rallied around him and around that. But, you know, there were some things he did on the outside that we all did when we were young. I won't go into specifics, but, you know, we kind of lived large and, and ripped and roared and maybe took advantage of our celebrity, if you will.
1: Some in the media continue to push the narrative that he's brash, selfish, greedy, especially regarding the difficulty in being fully committed to two sports simultaneously. And the negative comments increase exponentially when Sanders decides to attempt something that no one has ever done before in the history of the league, play in an NFL and MLB game on the same day.
2: it's a Sunday afternoon, then it must be baseball. I mean, football. I mean, what is it for Dion Sanders?
1: Dion being Dion, his baseball contract is a bit out of the ordinary. Sanders agrees to play for the Braves through July 31st, with the provision that he can leave anytime afterward to report to the Falcons. But with the Braves in the playoffs in October, he agrees to continue contributing to the Braves on at least a part-time basis. This requires a ridiculously tight schedule. On October 10th, Sanders strikes out in his lone pinch hit appearance as the Braves beat the Pirates in game four of the NLCS. That night, he flies out to Miami to join up with the Falcons. He starts at cornerback the following day against the Dolphins, with plans of flying back up to Pittsburgh to play for the Braves later that evening. So the
2: Falcons drive is stymied; they lose a 21-17, but the day's not done for Dina Hovland. Hovland, he's going to the helicopter, he's checking his watch, he's going to the helicopter at the airport, he's getting on the plane, he's off to Pittsburgh, he's at the game five of the NLC, he's out of control.
1: Sanders arrives at Pittsburgh's Three Rivers Stadium just 15 minutes before the first pitch.
4: He actually played baseball Friday night. I don't know if people know that, but he played Friday night in Pittsburgh, and he did play with the Braves. And then he flew to Miami to play with the Falcons and then back. So it was a three-game weekend. And I did all the helicopters and the airplanes, chartered all the flights, got all the permits to fly in the city limits, and that was quite an undertaking.
1: Again, that's Skears who worked at Nike at the time, and was the primary logistics coordinator for this wild weekend. All
2: you heard if you turned on TV was that Dion had shown up at the Falcons game in Miami and, and was ready to play. And that was surprising. It, it surprised the Braves very much. They had no idea this was coming. The Falcons were, were fine with that, but the Braves were not. That marked the turning point in their relationship with Dion Sanders.
1: That October evening, the Braves didn't play Sanders, preventing him from becoming the first player to appear in both NFL and MLB games on the same day. Braves general manager John Sherholtz later tells the media that Sanders' back-and-forth with football, quote, "...puts us at a disadvantage." Reports even say that, if Sherholtz knew that Sanders would still be playing football in October, that the Braves would have left them off their playoff roster. With the Braves' management publicly criticizing Sanders, some in the media begin to pile on. The Sun Sentinel runs the headline, Dion earns his frequent liar miles and calls him the designated sitter of the Braves. Sports columnist Paul Downey says Sanders, quote, abandoned the Braves just when they needed him most and slithered off to play football and coins the sarcastic nickname, Mr. Commitment. And the cherry on top, MLB broadcaster Tim McCarver calls Sanders out on national television.
2: I think Dion's doing a rather self-centered
3: thing. Absolutely. Going there you know,
2: there's been a lot of talk that he's a consummate team player for the Atlanta
1: Braves. Well, I and mean, if he's that, how can he leave in the playoffs? This ultimately leads to a confrontation between McCarver and Sanders in the clubhouse after the Braves make it to the World Series when Sanders, amid the player's champagne celebration, dumped several buckets of ice on McCarver's head, which McCarver would later refer to as quote, a deliberate, cowardly act. Deion was just letting some of his emotions out. That's Sid Breen, a key member of the Atlanta Braves in the early 90s, whose legendary slide in the bottom of the ninth in Game 7 of the NLCS ultimately sent the Braves to the World Series. Not like he went up and punched him or anything. I mean, he just shared some of his emotions that uh, he didn't appreciate what Kim McCarver said about it. Regardless, it's a move seen by many as open antagonism toward the press. I think Dion's relationship
2: with the media was pretty good at the start. I I think that Dion actually realized that the media was something he could use to help him become a bigger and bigger star. He was fairly cooperative with us media types the, the first couple of years here, but things changed after the fall of 1992. It took the focus off of what we were there for, and I mean, everything went to Dion. Journalists, writers were coming in and asking us more questions about Dion, which took the focus off of what we were there for. But at the same time, we were thankful that, once again, we were thankful that he was able to do what he was able to do and was uh, a
1: part of our team, and and we counted him as such. Opinions range on Sanders. Some consider him selfish, potentially harming both his teams— Others think he's doing it for the money and attention. Some say he was doing it for the love of the sport and being a competitive athlete. But of all the negative things said about him, it's the implication that he's not a team player that seems to anger Sanders the most.
2: Dion was such a spark. He was such a great person to have in the clubhouse. You know, he brought energy, uh, he brought life, he
1: brought relaxation. You know, he brought about kind of a piece to our clubhouse. There's this perception that, you know, there's the media storm. And like you said, the attention, everyone's talking about Dion, Dion, Dion. But everyone we seem to talk to seems to say that he was beloved by everyone and by all his teammates. It seemed like everyone seemed to really enjoy his presence. Was that true? You know, I
2: can't tell you more. I agree with every one of those individuals that talked to you. I mean, he was just one of those
1: that you loved having in the clubhouse. Over the years, the same refrain has been uttered over and over from the people who played with or were around him. That, sure, he had the big personality and the vibrant outfits and the jawing to get under opponent's skin. But when it came down to stepping between the lines,
3: there was no one who worked harder or cared more than Deion Sanders. He wasn't gonna be second best at any endeavor that he he decided to pursue. His work ethic on the field was exemplary. He was a team player, and he worked at it.
0: I love him like a brother. You know, he's one of the most genuine, fun-loving dudes that I know, and probably a top one or two or three most talented dudes that i ever met in my life.
1: Deion Sanders remains one of one. These days, It's almost unheard of for pro athletes to play two sports. In 2019, Arizona Cardinals QB Kyler Murray became the first player drafted in the first round of both the NFL and MLB drafts, but as of this recording, has committed fully the football. In fact, an NFL player hasn't appeared in an MLB game since quarterbacks Drew Henson and Chad Hutchinson in the early 2000s. But Sanders remains the only player to suit up for both leagues in the same day, a fact that doesn't appear in jeopardy. As for Sanders himself, he now spends his time caring for and inspiring a new set of teammates, the young men of the Jackson State University football team, bringing stability and his trademark appeal to a historically Black college. Primetime certainly hasn't slowed down. Even today, he has hit commercials. But Sanders' mission has evolved into something much more than the superstar persona he started in his playing days.
4: He's an amazing athlete, but he has so many other skills. So he had a reality TV show, and he was a sportscaster from the NFL channel, and now he's coaching. He's just really a talented, smart person. And he's not had any scandal either, which is impressive over these, over these 30 years. <laughs> Maybe a little, but not much. <laughs>
1: Thanks for listening to Sports History This Week. For moments throughout history that are also worth watching, check your local TV listings to find out what's on the History Channel today. Other notable sports stories that happened this week? 1960, a young boxer by the name of Cassius Clay wins the gold medal at the Summer Olympics in Rome, Italy at just 18 years old. And 1998, Mark McGuire hits the 62nd home run of his season Breaking Roger Mayer's single-season record from 37 years earlier. If you know of any other stories from global sports history you'd like us to cover on this podcast, or if you'd just like to get in touch, please shoot us an email at sportspod@history.com. Special thanks to our guests, Jimmy Ray II, retired coach who spent 36 seasons in the NFL, and Skeers, former Nike client services manager, Mark Bradley, sports columnist for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Sid Breen, Major League Baseball first baseman from 1983 to 1994. And Chris Miller, NFL quarterback from 1987 to 1999. This episode was produced by David Ingber. It was story edited by me, Kalen Jones, and sound designed by The Poglomerate. Sports History This Week is also produced by Cooper McKim. Our senior producer is Ben Dixie. Our associate producers are Emma Fredericks and Hazel May. Our supervising producer is McKamey Lynn. And our executive producer is Jesse Katz. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review Sports History This Week wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll see you next week.
4: Selling a little or a lot?